morning everybody hope you're having a good start to your weekend we've got a pretty small three game nba slate we, we've seen the nba really not want to compete with the ncaa tournament first day of the tournament the nba ran a one game slate then we see today for the final four it's only a three game main slate tonight and then on monday for the ncaa final zero nba game so something they're not trying to compete with at all do us favors you guys come in like the video subscribe to the youtube channel if you have any questions at all Throw them into the chat. We might be able to hit on more of them than we normally would just because there's only three games to talk about. So we'll have a little more leeway in terms of time and uh, and what we're talking about. Adam, how do you feel about today's three-gamer? Um, I feel like it's going to be a lot less annoying than <laughs> yesterday's, uh, whatever it was, 10-gamer. Um, yeah, I mean, can't have as as much value, as much news as we had yesterday, that's for sure. Yeah, and then one other thing I'm going to point out, because this is a, a potential betting angle that I am ready to act on during this uh, during this show. So there's early games being played today also. One of them is the 12.30 game, which is a very odd start time, 12.30 Eastern time, between the Philadelphia 76ers and the Charlotte Hornets. Now, the Hornets are tied with the Nets in the standings, and I wouldn't be surprised if the 76ers rest everybody just to try to make it more difficult for the Nets to make the playoffs. So I'm logged into my sportsbooks apps on other on other devices in front of me. And if we get news that the 76 are arresting everybody, which I think is a pretty good chance they'll happen during the show, I'm just going to bet a bunch on the Hornets. So something to be aware of, something you guys should be on the lookout for. I don't have any – there's no news on that. It's just kind of an intuition that I think it makes sense for teams to try to screw the Nets and try to prevent them from making the playoffs. And that's one way that they could do it. And just to uh, piggyback on that quickly, yeah. uh, just in case anybody isn't following, uh, that doesn't matter for DFS. That's purely betting. Like, yeah, you're like you're not saying that you think that like partway through the game they're going to just bench and beat and stuff. Like, if those guys are starting, still play them in DFS. Yeah, if they're starting, it's regular minutes. And I also think Embiid really does want to try to win MVP. I think it matters for him to be the number one seed. But I think for management and coaching for the Philadelphia 76ers, they're thinking, you know, what we would like to do not play the Nets in the playoffs. So. That is something else to consider where not only could it be more difficult for the Nets to make the playoffs if the Hornets win the game, but it could also lower the 76ers spot in the standings where if the Nets do make the playoffs, they avoid them in the first round or so. Uh, but we have tonight's main slate to talk about, and that also is going to include the Brooklyn Nets, and they have a very pivotal game against the Atlanta Hawks. They are tied in the standings, all three of these teams, Nets, Hawks, Hornets, tied. And whichever team wins this game between the Nets and the Hawks, it is going to be massive in terms of playoff seating. So I expect we're going to see really big minutes from the starters in this game. And it is going to impact how I project some of these guys, because I think it's fairly likely that we see like 40-ish minutes from Durant and Irving because of how important this game is. Are you seeing it the same way? Yeah, completely agree. Um, I had gone to like 39 minutes on those guys against Milwaukee. I'll go 39-40 again tonight against Atlanta, because um, for one, it's not like these are guys that normally play 32 minutes and then now you're just projecting some massive bump. Uh, they typically are, you know, even in games that aren't as important getting, you know, 37, 38 minutes, I would be assuming this game is relatively competitive. I would be more surprised if they play less than 39 to 40 minutes than if they play more. Um, there's just no reason for them to play less at this point. They need to win this game. Yeah. So, I mean, I look at this and whatever your expectations are for Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant normally, up them. It's a three-game slate also, which, you know, kind of condenses our options. But Durant and Irving, much higher priority plays than they normally would be because I'm projecting them for extra for extra minutes here. We do have a couple of Super Chats. First from Abel Ramos. I hate basketball coaches. They ruin people's lives. Well, 
the, the Dejounte like, Murray thing wasn't pop. I know we we have a lot of you know Popovich Mia culpas where Popovich goes and screws us. That wasn't on him last night. Dejounte Murray got sick, and I think they've really wanted him to play, but they were ultimately like, hey, he's not able to. We're playing against the Portland Trailblazers. Let's hold him out because the Spurs also are in you know a spot in the standings where they need to win games as well. Uh, so that one I don't necessarily blame on Pop, but other stuff like the the nonsense with the Pistons. What the hell was that? Yeah, I mean it didn't affect me, which obviously I'm happy about. But um, yeah, that that was frustrating. I, I actually thought Milwaukee was going to do it. Um, I just had a really bad feeling Bobby Portis was not going to come back in the second half, but he did, which I was pretty happy about. But uh, yeah, I just had a really bad feeling Milwaukee was going to just say, "Oh yeah, uh, starting lineup in the second half is like Mamukulis Vili and a bunch of other dudes that are barely on the team." Yeah, it's it's super difficult to navigate at this point in the year, and. For guys like Grayson Allen, once he wasn't starting, I assumed he was going to play zero minutes. I, the same for George Hill, though. I was really surprised George Hill played at all last night. If he wasn't starting, like, why bring him off the bench to play 20 minutes? But kind of the nature of some of the end-of-season NBA stuff. Uh, and then Daily Sam, none of this matters. Lakers winning it all. NBA easy. Yeah, not Frank so Vogel sure is actively that. trying to get fired, right? I have, the, the lineups make no sense. Like, no sense at all. The, the starting lineup Bond. yesterday was like, hey, let's let's get Avery Bradley, Dwight Howard. Let's just get no floor spacing. I know they almost won the game last night just because LeBron kind of went nuts on offense for three quarters, but he was so gassed by the fourth quarter. He didn't even have the energy left to get back on defense. And this was one of the games where we really saw LeBron give a full effort for most of it. But, dude, that's a long season for a 37-year-old. He's yeah, been, he's people been... blaming last night on LeBron have lost their minds. Yeah, he's, he's just been running to the ground at this point. And I do think there was a lot of games where he has mailed it in, particularly on the defensive end. That was not one of those games last night. It's just you cannot beat NBA teams by yourself, especially a team like the Pelicans that they have Brandon Ingram, CJ McCollum, Jonas Valanciunas. They have a deep team. They have a lot of guys to throw at LeBron. And it's just not reasonable to explain. And also, if you're drawing any conclusions about LeBron's career based on what happens in his age 37 season, which has been the league for like 20 years, that's ridiculous as well. Yeah, of course. But, but yeah, yeah, like, I mean, it's like, oh, our best lineups are with either Anthony Davis or LeBron James at center. So let's start them next to Dwight Howard and then also throw Avery Bradley in there. No reason to play Austin Reeves or Taylor Horton Tucker. Why would we ever want to do that in a game that we need to win? Yeah, and uh, Westbrook has also been awful this year. Like, why not just play Malik? Start Malik Monk over Westbrook. Get the floor spacing. Even if it's not over Westbrook, I don't know why Monk hasn't been starting, like, all season long. Yeah, yeah, and uh, whatever. Lakers fans come out. They'll blame it on Kendrick Nunn not playing. The Lakers are going to bring the exact same team back next year and expect different results. Not going to happen. There's no chance Russ is back next year. Yeah, I don't – I think – I think there was a point where it seemed like he just had to come back because of his contract, but I don't think he wants to be there either. Yeah. So I think they'll work out something. I don't know who's going to take him or where he'll end up, but yeah, it seems untenable for him to stay on the Lakers, particularly considering some of the difficulties he's had with his fans and the and his family where, you know, Lakers fans have been apparently, you know, sending death threats and whatnot to his wife. So I don't think he wants anything to do with that, with that team. But getting back to today's slate with the Brooklyn Nets, we've talked about Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. There are a couple of players on the injury report. And if they can play, of course, the Nets are going to throw them out there. But I don't know if that necessarily is the case. Bruce Brown is questionable. He's dealing with an illness. Seth Curry is questionable. He is an ankle injury. What happens on the wing if neither of those guys could play? You get more minutes for Patty Mills, more minutes for James Johnson. Um, Kessler Edwards plays more. He 
he played like six minutes yesterday. I'd expect him to move up in the rotation. Uh, Goran Dragic only played like 18 minutes in regulation last game. He would play more. Um, so I expect that like if Curry is out, you're probably getting Dragic in the starting lineup, I would think. If Brown is out, I would think you're getting Johnson maybe. I don't really know. I, I don't really know who would replace Brown. Like It could yeah, be Edwards. It could be and, Johnson and you move Durant up a spot. One of the reasons it's hard to predict, too, is it's it's not like there's been one guy for the Nets who's like, oh, this player's out, therefore Steve Nash starts this guy. He just pushes random buttons and just does whatever. And then even who starts sometimes is irrelevant because it could be the bench guy who went bench guys, like a David Duke who randomly comes in, not that it's going to be David Duke tonight, but in the past, it's been like, hey, David Duke starts, but we're playing Kessler Edwards more minutes off the bench or vice versa, so it's hard to know what the Nets are going to do in terms of uh, minutes for anybody who might replace these guys. Uh, another one that's been really weird to me, the center minutes, because Andre Drummond, now I just assume LaMarcus Aldridge is out of the rotation. I thought when Aldridge came back, I was like, all right, this is going to really reduce the upside and the playing time of Andre Drummond. Aldridge has not played a second in in anything of meaning as of late when uh, since coming back, and it's been, what, three games or so since he's been activated. So I was not comfortable projecting LaMarcus Aldridge for zero minutes in his first couple games back. I'm totally comfortable with it now. But what do you see as a realistic playing time for Andre Drummond, who has really carved out a consistent role for himself? Yeah, like I'm still waiting for Aldridge to show up and just bite me in the ass on, on one of these <laughs> slates. But it seems like Claxton is just held on to his backup spot, which um, I don't think is crazy. I mean, I think Claxton's pretty good. So um, it, it has, we have also seen Drummond play pretty well and get closing minutes. He closed again against Milwaukee last game. I don't see any reason why you're like how why you wouldn't be projecting Drummond at this point for like 26 to 28 minutes and giving Claxton the other 20 to 22. So the three, the other thing also is Lamarcus Aldridge first. I can't even say comes back, but gets gets ruled active by the Nets. And my first thought is wow, because he was he was uh, listed as out, and then all of a sudden he's active. I think well, I have to go bet unders on Andre Drummond. And Andre Drummond plays more minutes than he's played like his entire tenure with the Nets. He goes out and plays 31 minutes. I'm like, well, that didn't go well. I guess maybe next game will be the time that LaMarcus Aldridge plays. Nope, same situation. He plays 28, and that's just what it's been the last three games now. 31 minutes, 28 and a half, and 29 for Andre Drummond. It looks like we're looking at 28 to 30 minutes or so on a short three-game slate. I like getting to its center. There's a lot of upside there. And this is a matchup against Clint Capella on the other side where they're probably going to need those minutes. So... I like Drummond a whole bunch for this slate, and it kind of seems like you're on the same page. Yeah, and where I don't have Drummond, I think using a $3,900 Claxton is fine as well. Um, yeah, like I don't th – there's always the risk that like they close with Durant at the five, but – you know, and, and that cuts into Drummond's minutes, but I'm not, I don't think this is a matchup where you would see that unless Drummond is like really getting torched. Um, and even then, they probably just go to Claxton instead. Yeah, and then let's hit on the Hawks side of the game. And just because we just talked about Drummond, I kind of want to talk about Clint Capella and his minutes because we saw his playing time start to trend upward. He had a game against the Warriors, but played 31 minutes. Then he played 31 minutes against the Pacers. Both of those were competitive games. Then he comes out. He plays, you know, okay against the against the Oklahoma City Thunder, but only plays 20 minutes because the game was not competitive. And then same thing last game where he actually crushed on a per-minute basis. We got 44 fantasy points in 23 minutes out of Clint Capella, but the final score of that game was 131-107, so his minutes also that were limited due to blowout. How are you projecting his minutes? Because he's another guy where I look at, like, all right, the minutes seemed like they were around 30, and then we see them tank, but just because of a blowout, does he get back to like that 31 range if this game is competitive, which it should be? Yeah, I'd be surprised if he doesn't. Like I, I expect 
around 30 minutes from Capella. I expect every minute that Capella is not on the floor for Okongwu to be out there. So it's a very similar situation to the net side with Drummond where um, you have, I think, a, a, a solid center option. Capella is a bit more expensive than Drummond at 6,700. But if this game's competitive and he avoids foul trouble, I expect around 30 minutes from Capella makes him look still pretty decent at 6,700. But then similarly, if he does get in foul trouble, if the game does blow out, if, you know, uh, Akangwu just plays really well or whatever. Akangwu is 3,800 behind him and also a good point per minute, guys. So it's another situation similar to the Drummond and Claxton spot where I'm not playing them together. Uh, that would have worked out really well last slate, but it's not something you can count on. Um, I'm not playing Capella and Akangwu together, but I think individually they both uh, have plenty of upside at their, their price tags. And something else I think we should point out when it comes to the Hawks is they've had a bunch of wing players in and out of the lineup as of late. Bogdanovich's missed time. Gallinari has missed time. We've seen Hunter on the injury report at times. But at least for today, all these guys are going to be active, not even listed as questionable, or not even listed as probable, I should say. So Bogdanovich in, Hunter in, Gallinari in, Herter in, we've got all those guys active. I find it hard to, to get to any of these wing guys just because I don't know what the production or realistic upside or, or what minutes we could expect from them. Are there any of these guys that you could prioritize in large field tournaments? I, dev I wouldn't say prioritize. Um, I do think 6,100 for Bogdanovich is reasonable in tournaments, especially with it only being a three-game slate. Uh, only played 22 minutes last game, but again, that was a game that wasn't competitive. I think if that game is competitive down the stretch, you're probably getting the normal you know, 29, 30 minutes from Bogdanovich, and he does you know, play a, a relatively high usage role. Similarly, Gallinari is 4,800. He came off the bench last game, and they started uh, Luau Cabarro ahead of him. I don't know what that you know if that's going to be the case tonight, but... Gallinari played 23 minutes there. Um, again, I think he probably plays more if that game were competitive. Uh, you saw Luau Cabarro play garbage time and get up to 27 minutes. So basically they split 48 minutes. Uh, they played a few minutes alongside each other. But I think that at 4,800, if he's starting or even if he comes off the bench, Gallinari is kind of interesting because um, it seems like the minutes should be there one way or, or, or the other. And he, he produces better when he's not playing alongside Trey Young. And then talking about Trey Young, really the last piece on this team we haven't talked about yet, how does he rate out on this lead relative to the other pay-up options? Because, you know, we look at Trey Young individually, like, yeah, I, I think we all could agree that we want to get some exposure to him on a three-game slate. Sim goes with guys like Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. But who is your priority spend-up option today? I think it's really close. So Kevin Durant is around, like, on average, a 1.38 to 1.4 fantasy point-per-minute guy with Kyrie. Kyrie is, I think, around like 1.25 to 1.3. Without John Collins, Young's around one and a half fantasy points per minute. And we already talked about thinking Durant and Irving are going to play a lot and you'll get up to, to like 40 minutes. I'm not going to a 40-minute projection on Young, I don't think. But if this game's competitive, you could very easily still get 38 minutes or 39 minutes from Trey Young. It's not like Atlanta doesn't need to win this game too. So I actually kind of like Young the most out of everybody. But I think it, it's also a situation that um, ownership should play a pretty big role because – all of these guys have sim have a similar range of outcomes. And and right now we have Trey Young projected for 29% ownership on DraftKings, Durant at 26. So no big gap there. Um, Kyrie is coming in at 17%. Yeah. Yeah. So a little bit of a discount there, but um, definitely pay attention to the ownership because like you, you can have your preferences. For me, it's a slight lean towards Trey Young followed by Durant followed by Irving. But anybody who tells you they know like, with any level of confidence, who's going to have the best game in a one game sample out of those three is just lying to you. 
Yeah. And I should also point out the ownership projections are free today. So if you guys want to check those out and see what we're looking at, and then the FanDuel ownership, it's actually almost the same for all of them. 44% Kevin Durant, 40% for Trey Young, 39% for Kyrie. So not really much separating them in terms of ownership on FanDuel. And also over on DK, not a massive difference either, though Kyrie is the least popular of them. Uh, let's move on to the next game here. The Miami Heat on the road against the Chicago Bulls. Now, for the Miami Heat, they have Max Struess, Kayla Martin, and Gabe Vincent all listed as questionable. Do any of them really matter to you in terms of finding value tonight? Um, not really. I mean, if they're all out, then you know, $3,400 Duncan Robinson, I guess, looks more appealing. Um, the caveat being that Duncan Robinson is still Duncan Robinson. But like, if you're taking out all three of Martin, Struess, and Vincent, there are some more minutes available there. Um, similarly, you know, if Struess is in, and starting, he's 3,800. That's not a horrible value on a three-game slate. Um, so it, it would make, like, yeah, if they're all out, it makes guys like Duncan Robinson, $3,100 P.J. Tucker, uh, look a little bit better, but they, they still come with their own risks. Yeah, uh, that's uh, how, how I look at this this team also, because, you know, Max Struess has been playing an extended role, and we also have Tyler Hero is healthy, and there were some of these games where we saw role players have bigger games for the Heat where Tyler Hero is out. And that's also some of the times where you and I both uh, tried to roster Duncan Robinson just totally failed and went poorly because it should have been, it, it shouldn't have gone well for us playing a bunch of Duncan right. Robinson. Uh, so with Tyler Hero back in the mix, it does kind of mix up that equation a little bit on the high end. I think there's a bunch of upside in Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. The, the price itself, it's not like an egregious misprice, but there's a lot of upside in an $8,100 Jimmy Butler and 8,000 Bam Adebayo. And at least on DraftKings, Jimmy Butler isn't all that popular. FanDuel at 7,800, he is projected for 41% ownership. But on DK, with this being a three-game slate where it's kind of hard to find a whole ton of value to get to, I like the discount that we're getting on Jimmy Butler relative to some of the other stars. So he's a pretty high-priority play for me. Yeah, I think 8,100 looks pretty fair. Uh, again, it's somebody where you know if this were last night's slate, he would look okay, but not like anything special. But here, um, you know, he takes up a Ford spot, which... Other than Durant, you know, a lot of the top options are guards. Um, he's just going to be, I think, pretty easy to get to. Right now, he's projected for 26% ownership. I think that's reasonable. Uh, not a bad matchup either. So um, I'm with you. I think Butler looks good. I think Bam I think Bam is, is reasonable. One price tag that stands out to me on DraftKings is Kyle Lowry at 5,700. He's obviously not a priority, uh, you know, offensively when you have Butler and when you have Bam and when you have Hero. But in 24 games with all three of those guys active, he still averaged 0.87 DraftKings points per minute. He still averaged 33 minutes per game coming off of a game where he played about 36 minutes against Boston. I think 5,700 is a little too cheap for Kyle Lowry here. Yep, I could see that as well. Uh, I think Kyle Lowry is, I mean, all of these guys for the Heat, it's, it's not that any of them have egregious price tags. It's just all these guys are good individual players that I could see having one of their good games, especially against the Chicago Bulls team that struggled in the second half of the season. And you could find some upside here. The total for this game isn't high, but it's a three-game slate and the total shit for two of those games. So it's hard to really weigh that too heavily. The Brooklyn-Atlanta game has a total of 241.5. But then you look at Miami-Chicago, 216.5. Utah-Golden State, 217.5. So those games are going to be much lower scoring. But you know we can't really write off two-thirds of the slate for that. Well, the, uh, one, he, the one nice thing about this slate too is at least all of these teams are in the playoffs or in playoff contention. And the games matter at least to some extent. Like, I don't know how much Miami actually cares, but um, you shouldn't have any like Detroit bullshit from last night. Oh, and we just got some news. Bruce Brown 
will not play today. So we just got news on him. He's dealing with the illness. We talked about that a little bit at the top. If you guys want to roll back and hear us talk about the Bruce Brown and Seth Curry's Ooh. also questionable. Goran Dragic. Oh, and Goran Dragic is out. Okay, so I guess we should go back and talk about this because this now opens up uh, a lot more than I thought it was going to. Let's I don't see want if to talk we talk about 3K Patty Mills. Yeah, let's see if we get <laughs> Seth Curry ruled out as well. No update there yet, but all right. So now we've got Bruce Brown out, Goran Dragic out. If Seth Curry's out. I think Patty Mills is the best value play on the slate. Yeah, famous last words. Um, but I, <laughs> I, I agree with you. I mean, even even if Curry's in, I think Mills has to play more. And the thing with Atlanta too is that um, they Brooklyn can play like that three guard lineup with Kyrie and Curry and Mills because with Atlanta, it, it's not that they're like super small one through three, but you just have guys that you don't really need to defend too much, whether it be DeAndre Hunter or TLC. Um, so it wouldn't shock me if you just see a little bit you even if curry's in i think mills plays a bit more um i think james johnson's minutes go up without bruce brown um he's 3k flat as well so that looks pretty good those are probably the two that benefit the most um cameron thomas maybe gets back in the rotation yeah and i also uh just for reference i just really quick went and looked for any kind of props on this game but like there's nothing that any sports book has listed on patty mills so nothing to take advantage of there but thought it was worth looking into uh but yeah that's gonna wrap up what we have with the nets for now like the video and subscribe to the youtube channel guys later on in the day deeper dive live before lock we'll know whether seth curry's in or out and we should know what the Nets starting lineup is looking like then and we'll have some uh some better news to relay to you guys also, if you guys are looking to get in on any kind of sports betting action, number one, check out Odd Chopper, free tool to use over at awesomeo.com. Really good resource. Also, we have our Proving Bets Discord channel now. Pays for itself. The bets have been successful in the long run. I expect they will going forward as well because we've got Ben Rasa. We've got, we've got Alex. We've got Steve Buzzard. All of them giving out their best bets based on some of their projections and information that they're looking at. You could sign up for that using the uh, description in the in the um, using the link in the description box below to sign up. And then also check out our Twitter account at Osmo Bets. We'll be giving out some of those free bets over the, uh, over the course of the year. All right, let's get back to the Miami-Chicago game. And did you have anything else left to say about Miami? Um, no, I don't think so. Okay. So hitting on the Chicago Bulls now, we're coming off where we just saw DeMar DeRozan go absolutely nuts in the game against the Los Angeles Clippers. The game also went to overtime. Uh, but we do have an overall pretty healthy Chicago Bulls team. DeRozan, Vooch, Levine, Caruso, all active. We haven't seen that a whole bunch this year. Somebody else of interest, Patrick Williams. He was a pretty solid standout rookie for the Bulls last year. His role has obviously been minimized this year because of all the other players that the Bulls have. But he played 37 minutes last game. And while that was obviously aided by overtime, what are you expecting in terms of playing time for him? Because that's somebody else who I think could be somebody we could get to uh, from a value perspective, let's pay up for some of the stars tonight. Yeah, I'm interested to see what the starting lineup is here because uh, Williams started the second half over Alex Caruso last game. If Williams starts today, I think you probably are getting like 28 to 30 minutes. If he goes back to the bench, I think you take a few minutes off that, probably give him like 26, somewhere in there. Um, either way, though, at 3,400, He's definitely somebody to pay attention to the ownership. Like I had mentioned him last slate that I liked him in tournaments because he was getting 2% ownership. He's not a very good point per minute fantasy producer. Uh, this year in particular, he's been really bad, you know, playing with 
even more, you know, high usage guys and rebounders than, than he was last year. But you still, I think, over a larger sample, probably get around 0.7 fantasy points per minute, give or take, from uh, from Williams. He's at 0.6 so far this year. N- today, he's getting 9% ownership. So, you know, still for a three-game slate, pretty low own for somebody that's $3,400. Um, but I do think, you know, if he starts his playing time, you know, his projection should go up by a few minutes. And the kind of nice thing about him, it, I mean, depending on how you want to look at it, he's a really low usage guy. So him starting, he's not somebody that you say like, oh, well, his production's necessarily going to go down a lot um, going from the bench to starting because he doesn't really shoot anyway. Yeah. And I mean, the other thing too with Patrick Williams, at least as of right now, he isn't projected for for very much ownership. We've got him projected for 6% on FanDuel and 9% on DK. If he starts, I think that number is going to look drastically different. Another thing also is it, it might be a number that just changes over the course of the day. I think a lot of people will look at box scores, especially people who are hand building lineups and be like, Oh, there isn't that much value on today's slate. Look at this guy, Patrick Williams. I know his name. He was a first round pick last year. He scored a bunch of fantasy points last game. If you were to ask me, is he going to be over or under his projected ownership right now? I take the over all day. So I think that's something to keep an eye on, like you said, see what that updated ownership looks like. I think there's a chance that Patrick Williams ends up becoming fairly popular on this slate. Uh, as far as the payup options on the Bulls go, DeRozan, Vooch, Levine, are any of these guys players that you really do want to get to today in a, in a major way? Um, I mean, with it being a three-game slate, I guess the answer is like, yes, I'll have a good amount, but none of them really stand out individually. Like right now on DraftKings, we have 28% going to Levine, 7,400 shooting guard, small forward, 24% going to DeRozan at 8,600, 19 going to Vooch. Those all make sense to me. I think these price tags are just, you know, about where they should be, maybe a little bit cheap, um, but it's also a very difficult matchup against Miami and they just like even when you compare them to like the other side of this game, I don't think any of them look like drastically better than Jimmy Butler does or Bam does. I think they all just look pretty similar across the board. And then I guess the one other player here that that really matters to the rotation, Alex Caruso. And I know right now we don't have Patrick Williams projected for very much ownership, but I think even though they don't play the same position, there's a chance that if Patrick Williams does become really popular, that Alex Cruz would be a leverage playoff of Patrick Williams, just because in the second half of that game, where we saw Patrick Williams, like you said, start ahead of Alex Caruso, it seems to me that the more minutes Alex Caruso plays, the less minutes that we're going to get out of Patrick Williams. So if we do get into lock and Patrick Williams ends up being like 25 to 30%, which I think is within the realm of possibilities, that would make Caruso more appealing to me as a leverage play, because I think that the, the better Caruso plays, the more minutes he gets, the less Patrick Williams plays. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, um, I sort of agree. Like, that's one way you could see it go. I think it's more likely that Caruso takes minutes. Like, I, I think there's a good chance that the closing lineup is Alex Caruso and Patrick Williams together with no okay. to move. Yeah, that's, that's also a possibility. Uh, and then just talking about Caruso individually, how do you like him as a play today? Because he is fairly cheap and it's a slavery. We don't have a lot of cheap guys to go to. It's pretty difficult for me to get there outside of just, you know, saying it's a three game slate. You can play him in tournaments, but like 4,700 for a guy that averages 0.8 fantasy points per minute that I expect to play around 30 minutes. uh, And that is facing Miami. It just doesn't really stand out because you, you do have, even though they're not the best, the most appealing options, you have a lot of value that is just like a thousand dollars or more less expensive. Like even within this game, looking at the Miami side, you have Struess at 3,800, you have Tucker at 3,100, you have Robinson at 3,400. Um, not saying any of those guys are great, but there's a decent chance, you know, one of them gets there and you're saving money on all of them compared to Caruso. On the Chicago side, uh, Patrick Williams is cheaper. On Brooklyn, you have some value now. So I think it's gonna be pretty tough for me to get to Caruso. 
Yeah, I could see that as well. And then let's see what that starting lineup looks like. To, to your point from before, where we saw Patrick Williams start the second half ahead of Caruso, wouldn't be surprising we see that kind of setup again. Now let's move on to the final game of today's slate. But first, today's show is sponsored by Yahoo. If you guys have not signed up for Yahoo yet, you can do it for free using the link in the description box below. And if you sign up at Yahoo and you make a deposit and enter a contest, you get yourself one free month of Osmo Plus Platinum. Good way to get access to our tools behind the paywall. Stuff like the ownership projections, which while they are free today, that's typically premium content. Uh, the final game here, Utah Jazz, Golden State Warriors. Not expected to be a high-scoring game, 217.5 total, but a tight game, just a one-and-a-half point spread. Starting on the Utah side of the game, is there anything that stands out here? Because I think this is my least favorite team to target. I think Mitchell and Gobert look pretty good. Um, you know, obviously it's a good Golden State defensive team, but I think the $8,400 price tag on Mitchell is certainly in that same category as the Chicago guys we talked about, as the Miami guys we talked about. Gobert at 7,600, I think is still mispriced. Um, you have Hassan Whiteside questionable. If he's out, I think you can give Gobert an extra couple of minutes. If he's in, you you know, I think like I think Gobert is around like 32 minutes if Whiteside plays 34 on average if uh, Whiteside's out. So that is a, a piece of news to monitor that has at least a little bit of an impact. Uh, oh, also, uh, with the with the Whiteside thing, totally agree. Because right now I have Whiteside in, but if Whiteside's out, then my Rudy Gobert minutes projection goes from like 32 to 34 or 35. I forget exactly what it is that I've been projecting from him for on other slates. But yeah, that makes a big difference, those few extra minutes for Rudy Gobert, because then that makes him somebody. It's like, oh, Rudy Gobert should be priced like 8,400 or something like that if Whiteside's out. So that yeah, is something I that would really change the equation. I looked it up the other day. I think he's averaging like 35 minutes per game without Whiteside this year. Yeah, so that's that's something right now. 35.1 minutes per game in 13 games. Yeah, I have Gobert for 32 minutes right now. And then, yeah, that'll be a 35 minutes projection if, if Whiteside's out. And is there anybody else that benefits from the Utah Jazz if Whiteside doesn't play, or is it just, is it just Rudy Gobert for you? I mean, I think it's mostly Gobert. Like, Greg Monroe played 12 minutes last game. Um, I don't know if he's even still on the team or not, but I, I don't know when his, his 10 day was up, but um, like you can get more minutes for Hernan Gomez, some combination of Hernan Gomez house. Uh, Rudy Gay didn't even play last game. He seems like he's going to be like matchup dependent, but I don't really know what the matchup is. Like I have no idea how to tell if it's a Rudy Gay matchup or a Daniel house matchup. Like, I, I don't know. Um, so I think it's pretty tough to like, even if white sets out, I think it's pretty tough to, really rely on somebody like Hernan Gomez or House. I think it's mostly a bump for Gobert. Uh, and I think we should also point out, just because uh, David Porter's in, in the YouTube chat asking what happened to Hernan Gomez, Bojan Bogdanovic came back. Yep. So just the minutes that Hernan Gomez were playing, it was a factor of Bogdanovic missing time. Now that Bogdanovic is back, he's starting not on the injury report. It means that Hernan Gomez goes by the wayside, which is totally reasonable. There's no reason to play guys like Eric Pascal or Wancho Hernan Gomez now that Bogdanovich is back. And then there was also other players that were out for the Jazz at, at different times. Yeah. Uh, and then he, he said he was balling and then they just take him out of the rotation. They didn't take him out of the rotation. They just moved him back to the bench um, because like he's never going to play over Boyan Bogdanovich. Yeah. And then even for today, he could fall out of the rotation right. if Whiteside, if Whiteside uh, ends up playing. Cause yeah, exactly. If Whiteside plays, like I would not be surprised if Hernan Gomez doesn't play. Yeah. He's either not going to play or play like, two four-minute rotations in each half or something like that. So, yeah, no need to consider Hernan Gomez. That's not something that that matters at all. Uh, anybody else on this team, Conley, Bogdanovich, Clarkson, that you find to be appealing for tonight? 
Um, Conley and Clarkson, well, I guess and Bogdanovich, I mean, in tournaments, you can get to a little bit of them. Uh, we've talked about it a little bit with Conley. His playing time has ramped up a little bit. Uh, Quinn Snyder had said a month or so ago that they were going to start getting Conley more minutes down the stretch. It hasn't been anything massive, but he's gone from like a 28 minute per game average, um, you know, for, for the season when Mitchell's been in to like 29 and a half over the last 10, 30 and a half over the last five, something like that. So uh, I, I think you can, you know, project an extra minute or two for Conley, give him around 30 minutes, makes him look decent at 5,900. Similarly, you can get around 30 minutes from Clarkson at 5,800. We know how it goes with him. Um, it's a price tag where like, there's a lot of volatility in Jordan Clarkson. 5,800 is a price tag where he's going to fail a lot, but then he's going to have those games where he just absolutely destroys it and, uh, you know, ends up looking really good. 5,100 for Boyan isn't horrible either. Uh, he did play, tw- he, he only played 22 minutes in his first game back. Uh, so I, I have a hard time expecting him to get all the way back to like 32 or anything. But um, I think Mitchell and Gobert are the priorities and then just mixing in some Conley, Clarkson, Bogdanovich. All right, our final part of the slate's talk about the Golden State Warriors. And somebody in chat had asked about Steph Curry. Steph Curry is out for the rest of the regular season. Hopefully it doesn't impact his playoff status, but it does seem there's at least some risk that Steph Curry will end up missing playoff time. So with Curry out, Jordan Poole has been playing well recently. He is really popular on both DraftKings and FanDuel. And on FanDuel, even at an 8,000 salary, which a little bit of sticker shock to me when you look at an 8,000 Jordan Poole, it's also going to be in like a quarter of the field's lineups. What do you make of Jordan Poole without Steph Curry? First at 7,200 on DK and also at 8,000 on FanDuel. Yeah, pretty solid DraftKings price at 7,200. 8K on FanDuel is fine as well. Um, it, it's a difficult matchup against Utah, but sort of like you had mentioned before, I mean, for one, obviously you only have three games, but for two, one of these games, you know, the Brooklyn-Atlanta game is likely to be really high scoring, two teams that don't really defend well and play fast. But the other two games, you know, 218 total in the Miami game, 218 total in the Utah game. So you have to keep that in mind too. It's not a matter of just saying like, oh, it's a tough matchup against Utah. I don't want to play him when the alternatives are, you know, tough matchups against Golden State, tough matchup against Miami. Um, you, you have to, you know, keep in mind it's all relative. So I do like the price tag on pool should still play 36 minutes, give or take, um, should get plenty of usage. I think he looks good. Yeah, I, I think, I, I don't know that, I'm going to want to roster him in like 35% of lineups, but that remains to be seen. I haven't built any lineups yet for today. And I doubt if I play FanDuel lineups that I want to play him at 8,000 in more than 25%. We'll see what happens later on in the day, though. That's just kind of my intuition at this point in the day. Uh, as for the other players on this team, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, it's weird to think of these players as the second tier options on the Golden State Warriors, but... Jordan Poole is the number one fantasy player on this team and Clay Wiggins and Green are kind of secondary plays in terms of fantasy production. Uh, what do you make of them? Um, yeah, so that they do just kind of fall behind Poole. Uh, you, you certainly can pay attention to the ownership though. I mean, Clay Thompson is $600 more than Poole and he's getting like one third of the ownership. I agree that Poole should be more popular. He's cheaper. He's been more productive. Uh, he has a 30% usage rate in the six games that he's played with Thompson and without Curry. But you're still talking a one-game sample with somebody like Clay Thompson that can just get hot from three and go absolutely nuts. Um, you're getting, you know, 33, 34 minutes from Thompson. So I don't mind him as a pivot in tournaments. We did get 31 and a half minutes from Draymond last game. That's good to know. You know, he's not limited. 5,600 is probably a little bit cheap on him. 4,200 for Porter is interesting. Um, he played about 29 minutes off the bench last game. You could see him start but I kind of doubt it here. Like I assume they're going to stick with Looney in the starting lineup, um, but 4,200 for Porter, I think looks like a pretty good value as well. 
he is getting 26% ownership though. So the ownership is there too. Yeah. Just a product of being a large slate. And actually, I think the number is going to come down once it's more updated for Nets news. I'm actually going to refresh our ownership, see if we've had a run. Uh, we have not yet, but once again, like the video guys, subscribe to the YouTube channel later on the day, deeper dive live before lock. We'll have a better idea of what some of these ownerships look like and what, what kind of cheap guys we might be able to target that are going to be less popular. Uh, are there any other value plays that you could see yourself getting to from Golden State? Um, not, not really. I mean, I don't want to just start like listing the whole team and pointing out that Steve Kerr's rotations are, are wild, but uh, yeah, I don't see a whole lot else. I mean, Kevon Looney's 3,700. I guess that's sort of defensible on a three-game slate, but I don't expect him to play a ton of minutes. You know, I think Draymond is closing, so... All right, that is going to do it for us today. The big news to come out for today, will Seth Curry play or not? That's actually something that's going to have massive implications on the three-game slate, particularly how much Patty Mills that we're going to want to get to. Have a good day. Also, good luck. Check out the Deeper Dive. Check out Live Before Lock. Hope to see you guys later.